with you, Lord, and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated if you can this morning. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us into the throne of God. Thank you, worship choir, for doing what you do. Look at you beautiful people this morning. My, my, my. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, hey, you look pretty good today, but not as good as me. <laughs> so glad that you guys are here. We've got a lot to celebrate today. I'm just telling you, I'm looking at everyone here. It is just nice to see the church family here worshiping the Lord. I want to give a big thank you to everybody that traveled big time to be here today. We've had people driving in from Blue Ridge and Kennesaw all across the state. People traveled here from California to be here today. I love it. Technically, they moved here, but still, I'll claim it. <laughs> uh, big welcome to everyone watching online. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to hit that like and share button. And for everyone in-house today, uh, we're going to do this. We do this from time to time. We'll do it again today. If you'll hop on Facebook or Instagram and check in and then you will share the live stream on your social media page for every check-in and share that we get we'll donate a dollar to missions in honor of that today uh, just watch the volume on your phones and make sure you're not transmitting too loud because we don't want that crazy echo or distraction in here Are you guys ready to have some fun today you picked a great day to be in the house of God I'm so excited about it I'm excited about so many things going on in our church I just what's happening today. I'm excited about baptisms next Sunday. I love that. Hey, if you have not been baptized in forever and a day, and God's been doing some amazing stuff recently in your life, there's nothing wrong with getting baptized again, or maybe you've never been baptized, and you want to just go public with your faith and let everybody celebrate what Jesus has done in your life, I'm going to tell you, next Sunday is a great day to do that. You'll hear more information about that in a, later on in the service, so make sure you don't miss the opportunity for you or your children to be baptized. Just go public with that faith and we'll all celebrate with you. It's going to be an awesome day. I'm telling you what, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and it's not raining in Georgia today. How about that? I love it. It is a great day. It is a great day to be in the house of God. And I know we got people here for different reasons today. Some of you are here because this is your one of two or three times during the year that you come to church uh, just to honor the Lord. And, and I know a lot of places, they kind of shame that and they poke fun at it. But I just want to tell you, man, I'm glad you're in the house of God today. And I'm glad that you're here. And, and I'm believing that the Lord's going to do something amazing in your life. And then some people, you're here because you were invited by some friends or family and you were invited over and over and over and over and over and over again and finally just like oh god almighty fine i'll go to church you know but we're glad that you're here today too man i'm just telling you so glad that you're here and then we got the crowd that i love i love everybody but i love this crowd you're here and you know the reason why you came you came to dial it up to 11 and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Is there anybody in here today that's dialed to 11 ready to celebrate Jesus coming back from the dead? Love that. Yeah. Any of y'all got kids? 
Yes. Yeah. Got kids. And by the way, if you've got children in here, we have a great kids ministry uh, going on right now that you can take them to. If you go out these double doors and usher will show you how to get there. Your children are welcome to be with you this morning. But they're going to have uh, way more fun. NE kids, they've got some kind of crazy party going on over there with bounce houses. Like, if I wasn't preaching this morning, I'd probably be NE kids on a bounce house. I gotta be honest with you. They're gonna have so much fun. Your kids are gonna be geeked up on so much candy when they get out of church today. Just take them straight to the park and let them run it off, you know? That's why we did the bounce houses to kind of balance that out, you know? Uh, so, adults, if you wanna get in the bounce houses after service, go for it. Just do not injure a child in the process. Um, you know who you you are and you know what you're capable of <laughs> but I love I love my kids I've got two daughters uh, I've got uh, Hannah and I've got Abby uh, 13 and 7 and they're just beautiful I love them they're the reason why I have my gun collection can I get an amen from all the dads out there this morning you know so every year I'm trying to load up and get ready, and uh, so <laughs> God help the young men that come into the house. Of that's not why we're here today. So, <laughs> but you dads, you understand. Um, my goodness, I love them. Abby's at this age right now, man, where she's just asking so many questions. Y'all, y'all have that stage with yeah. your kids? Questions, 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 and they're not simple questions. She wants to know why on everything. Uh-huh. Why? Why does the sun come up? Because it does. Why? Because of orbits. What are orbits? What are rotation? What's gravity? Dad, why um, this? Why that? You know, there's always the why, 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 why. And I love the questions, why? Because it shows a little bit of curiosity and a need for understanding. You know, it's, it's one thing to observe what's happening in life and what's happening around you. But to ask the question, why? these things are going on kind of gets to the heart <clears throat> of the matter and and I appreciate that because in, like in life if you can establish the why behind something then the what becomes easier to process and understand if you can establish the why then what becomes easier it becomes easier to understand um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in life when we ask why. Like if you were here for Easter service last year at Eastgate Church, I got a big question why everything that happened last year at this church happened. Sometimes you don't get all the answers that you want. It's always great on Easter Sunday when the pastor gets flu the day before the Easter Sunday service. As you hear the staff and the volunteers. They were so nice to me this year. Everybody's been texting me for like the last three weeks. Hey, Pastor Josh, hope you're feeling good. Praying life and health over you. Are you taking your vitamins? Man, you should be taking some vitamin C, Pastor Josh. Just want to make sure that you're healthy and good. And I'm like, you sorry suckers. Y'all are acting like you're being nice to me. And I was feeling the love, but I know what's really going on. So I had the flu, and the staff had to scramble like crazy last year to put together a makeshift kind of service. But fortunately, God was speaking to people, and they had a word to share. Last week, or last year, was so crazy, we literally had someone die in service. So pastor was sick, and someone died in service and had to be resuscitated. People left last year with a whole bunch of stories for Easter Sunday, you know, guarantee you. Now, praise God, none of that's happening this year, but I would love to have known why, why I was bent over a toilet last year instead of being able to preach like I wanted to. It's funny, the theme for the service last year was beauty from ashes. 
<laughs> so like the worst possible Easter scenario and God still did some amazing stuff in it. You know, and I, I love that. I love that. But when you understand why, it, it explains so much in life. Like it, to try to lose weight is one thing. You know, because you know the what. Well, I, I got to exercise. You know the what. I need to change how I eat. You know the what. You know, I've got to count carbs or stay away from calories, and I've got to burn more than I take in. I might be taking more supplements. I got to get in the routine. I know I'm going to be sore. The what, the what, the what. But it's the why that'll push you through those days when the what just isn't fun. You understand? So, so the why behind it matters. Why? Because I want to live a longer life. Because I want to have a better quality life. Because I want to see my children married. I want to see their their grand. I want to see my grandkids. You know, I, I want to I want to live and hang out with my wife as long as I possibly can. Because I love every moment that I get to spend with her. That's the why behind all of it, and uh, it makes a big sense. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a big deal. If you ask me why I'm a football fan, I can just list reasons all day long. Any football fans in the house this morning? I'm telling you, love it. Now, my team, uh, get ready. Just, you, I know I'm going to get shouts, and you guys are going to love this. That just, you can always count on the crowd, I'm telling you. So I'm an Auburn fan. I love, I love Auburn. You booing me on the day Jesus came back from the dead. What in the world is going on here? A little bit of love. So I love Auburn. And to some of y'all, obviously, that makes no sense at all. It made no sense at all. But if you start asking me, I can tell you why. I can tell you about the family members that went to school there. I can tell you about the, uh, the amazing memories that I have just going to the football games. I can tell you about the kick six when Auburn miraculously beat Alabama and, and all this amazing stuff that happened. I can, I can give you all the whys why and it'll begin to make sense to you. Like if Georgia fans, any Georgia fans in the house this morning? Enemy territory, if I ask you why, I guarantee you. Y'all be like, Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart. Two years in a row, we're national champs, baby. I don't understand that. I don't understand why God allows it, but I understand why you're Georgia fans. It makes sense once you understand the why. Alabama fans, Alabama fans are like, Row Tide, Row Tide, I love it. And it's great because y'all can put two words together and get a sentence out of it. And it's supposed to mean so much. And I know that's exciting for you guys. And Row Tide, Row Tide. Nick Saban, Nick Saban, a million national titles that we didn't even win, but we're going to claim anyway because we're Alabama and Roll Tide. You know, that's what we do. We, so we get it. We get it. There's reasons why. Now, I'll be honest with you. Nobody really under, re, understands the reasons why people are Tennessee fans. <laughs> we just let that one go. Nobody really knows why. There might be a reason why. Probably, probably not a good one. Uh, <laughs> but the why helps you understand the what. I'm going to pick up a story in the Bible about the disciples struggling with a little bit of this reason why because they got caught up in a lot of the what that was going on shortly after Jesus' death as the resurrection was happening. They kind of missed the forest for the trees in a way. We want to dig into this and talk about it for a little bit today and see if we can land on some solid ground 
and understanding why a lot of this stuff took place. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 1. If you got your tablets or your devices or your Bible, whatever you want to go to today to read along with that, we thought about you today and we put all the message notes on version in the Bible app. So you, if you have that app, you can open it up and find us there in the live events and follow along. You guys online, you can follow along with the service notes today. Keep track with what's going on. Luke 24, starting in verse 1, says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. It's funny to me that they were taking spices that they had prepared to anoint the body of a man who had been telling them for years that he was not going to be in that grave for very long. There was a disconnect there. They were going to prepare a body on the day that Jesus said he wasn't going to be in that grave anymore. There was a disconnect going on with the followers of Jesus. And when they got there, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of Jesus. Spoiler alert, he wasn't there. He was risen from the dead. He checked out and was gone. I love that. We're here today celebrating that. They found an empty tomb. So they stood there puzzled. They stood there puzzled. Why were they puzzled? Jesus had been telling them this whole time, but they just didn't get it. And then two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. That had to look good. You ever wonder if angels' outfits are bedazzled? You know what I mean? He's always talking about how they're glowing and sparkling. Just random thought for you. Something to think on later. That'll hit you about 2 o'clock this morning. Bedazzled. What is he talking about? Maybe it is. That's just, so you're welcome for 2 o'clock this morning coming up. So, so they were puzzled. The two men suddenly appeared, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. I would be terrified too probably if I saw angels just appear right there. The men asked... Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Praise God. See, he said, remember what he told you back in Galilee? I love the angel. Remember what he had said to you? Just don't, don't forget. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men to be crucified, and that he would raise again on the third day. Third day, number three, that you guys are here for. You came to prepare to anoint a body with some spices. Don't you remember he said he was not going to be here anymore? Then they remembered what he had said. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna. Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. Now, look at this awesome spiritual response from the disciples. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. And he says, Peter jumped up, ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what happened. <laughs> wondering what happened. Jesus inner circle were not the brightest bulbs on the Christmas tree. Okay? I'm just I'm just telling you. They they did not get this stuff. You've got um, 
You've got the, the women who were confused. You've, you've got the, the disciples who are saying it's nonsense. And you've got Peter who heard all of this, ran to the tomb, saw it was empty, and he's wondering what happened. None of them connected the dots on Jesus doing what Jesus said he was going to do. Because they got caught up in the what instead of focusing on the why. Yeah. They got caught up in the brutality, I think, of how Jesus was killed and how final that it looked. You know, we read over that quickly sometimes. Jesus' body was destroyed. Yeah. It was mutilated beyond recognition as a man, the Bible says. The flesh and muscle was ripped off his back and sides, his ribs probably exposed, not to get too gross, but there just was not much left of Jesus after the flogging of the cat and nine tails. And then he went to be crucified after that. When you see somebody you love and you care about and you followed for three years, I could understand hitting the pause button. I could understand just how final Jesus would have looked in that moment. So I, I kind of get it in a way, because if I'm honest, and if you're honest, we've probably all had moments in life where we can relate to what the disciples are walking through. I mean, we've all had those unexpected moments in life. We've all had things happen that we weren't counting on and things that didn't go the way that we wanted them to go. And they were in, in, a, in a weird spot because they had an unrealistic realization of what Jesus was going to do. They were expecting Jesus to do something completely different. They were expecting this thing to play out in a totally different way, and it didn't. You know, unrealistic expectations lead to disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. When we're expecting something to go one way and it doesn't, I mean, it kind of wrecks us for a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, me, there's been a lot of stuff in my life that's happened that I didn't expect, things that I wasn't counting on. You know, my wife and I didn't expect the miscarriage. We didn't see that one coming. We didn't expect me to see business contracts removed because of government silliness and us losing a business and then us losing a house because of it. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. I had a different expectation for what was going to happen in life. You know, it's funny how sometimes we expect trouble and bad things to happen to other people, but not us. Yeah. And when it happens to everyone else, it's fine. But when it happens to us, it's different. And I get that, you know. So there's a lot of us in here today. You didn't expect the divorce, but it happened. You, know, you didn't expect maybe the miscarriage like we had, but it happened. You didn't expect to be dealing with the difficulties that you're facing with your teenagers right now, but it's happening. You didn't expect the trouble in your marriage. You didn't expect the divorce. You didn't expect you didn't expect the sudden loss of a loved one or the wreck or the loss of the job. And I get that. When stuff happens that we don't expect, a lot of times it makes us want to withdraw and circle the wagons and unplug in a way. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all would say today that like me in life, you've experienced some stuff that you didn't expect to happen. How many of y'all would say that? Let me see a show of hands. Now, check this out. 
check this out. It's like 99%. I'd almost call it 100% because some of y'all are liars this morning and y'all need to come up here and repent. Because if you live long enough, something's going to happen that you don't expect to happen. Now, check this out. 100% of us pretty much said, yeah, it's been that way in life. Now, I want you to look around, though, because we're still here. Yes. You understand? Look at the person next to you and say, hey. You're still here. See, you're still here. You're still here. You went through it, but you're still here. You understand? And probably somewhere in that season of life or those seasons of life, you can point to one day and say, that day was the worst day of my life. Anybody can point to a day. That was the worst day of my life. But check this out, all right? On their best day. Life hitting you hard and the devil doing what he does on their best day couldn't take you out on your worst day. And you're here today to celebrate the faithfulness of God. Listen, you're still here today. He's got a hope for you. He's got a future for you. There's a purpose for you. He hasn't given up on you yet. If you're here, there's a reason for it. God's not done with you yet. If you're here, let's give the praise to the risen and Savior. That's the reason why we're all here this morning. He rose from the dead to give us the ability to push through the storms of life. He said, in this world, you're going to face trouble. But take heart and be encouraged because I've overcome this world. I love it. I love what he does. And the disciples were in a situation where they got caught up in the what and they forgot about the why because they had unrealistic expectations that led to disappointment in their life. Maybe today would be a good day to kind of push aside all the noise and all the disappointment maybe we're facing in life right now and focus again on the why behind why we're here today. You know? Yeah. Focus on that Jesus they threw everyone for a loop by actually doing what he said he was going to do all those years ago. Question, why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? Why? did he? Now, we understand the what. We know he was crucified. We know he was beaten. But why did Jesus die? Let me give you three quick reasons. Why did Jesus die? Number one, because we were trapped. We were trapped in sin. We were trapped in sin. Adam and Eve jacked everything up for us, guys and gals. When they sinned in that Garden of Eden all those years ago, thousands of years ago, man, they put us behind the eight ball when it comes to sin. Mankind was cursed. Every person that was born since then was born into sin. I always joke and I say, if Adam and Eve made it to heaven, they're going to be the two kids on the playground that nobody wants to play with up there. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they, they messed it up, man. We, we go to work because of them. You pay taxes because of them. We deal with being sick because of them. Pollen, allergies in Georgia, I'm going to blame it on them too because why not? You know what I mean? Just pile it all on. They put us in a spot that we couldn't get out of. So God had to send His Son to pay the price for our sins. Jesus paid the price for that sin. For you and for me. The ultimate price on the cross. The Bible says that all of our sin was placed on Him. Dealt with once and for all. 
so that any of us at any time can go and get forgiveness for the sin in our life. Jesus paid the price for that sin that we were trapped in. I love that. And He didn't just get sin forgiven, but Jesus purchased our freedom on the cross. Oh, there's a whole lot in that statement right there. He purchased our freedom on that cross. You do realize that once Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and He is in your heart, and you've been forgiven of your sin, you realize this? Listen, you are set free from that sin through His grace from that moment on. Listen, you could potentially live the rest of your life through the work that Jesus did for you and never sin again. Because you've been set free from sin. Cricket, 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 cricket. That's a lot to chew on and a lot to shout about. Now, probably odds are we're, we're probably going to mess up somewhere along the way. You know, uh, Georgia's going to win a national title. We're all going to get mad. We're not going to understand why. And we're going to have to repent and come back to the Lord. I get all that. But he's done an amazing work. An amazing work for us. He's, he set us free from the power of sin. One of the most beautiful things about when Jesus died on the cross happened in the temple where the Holy of Holies was. Now you may know this, you may not, but in the, the temple in Jerusalem there was this thing called the Holy of Holies where the presence of God resided. And it was separated from the rest of the temple court by this huge veil or this huge curtain that was several feet thick. Can you imagine how big and heavy that thing was? It was that big, that thick, and that heavy to keep people out because if somebody walked into the Holy of Holies with sin in their life or in an impure way, they would be struck dead because sin cannot enter into the presence of a holy God. So while God was with us then, He couldn't be with us the way He wanted to be with us. Like He was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. The Bible says that He would walk around in the garden with them in the cool of the day and just hang out with them. And God could be with us, but He couldn't hang out the way that He wanted to when Jesus died. I love this. The Bible says that there was a great earthquake, and there was a storm, and that darkness fell over the area. Listen, and it looked like all hope was lost. It looked like the end had come when He breathed His last breath, and He said, it is finished. To them, they saw a mutilated man on the cross, and His followers deserted Him. Everybody thought it was done. They said it was over, but what they didn't realize was that heaven started counting to three at that moment. You understand? Day one, day two, day three, on the day that He would be resurrected and brought back to us. I love it because when He breathed His last breath, the Bible says that that veil in that temple was ripped in two. As big as it was, as thick as it was, ripped in two from the top to the bottom, from God to us. He said, I'm doing my part because you can't come to me. I want to come to you. I paid the price. Now there is nothing that stands between you and me. It's not that I'm with you, but I'm not with you anymore. No, it's I'm with you. We can hang out. I did this so that we could be together again. It is the greatest love story of all time. It is the most gangster and manly thing I've ever seen for a man to lay down his life and purchase all humanity to wipe away sin and to defeat the devil all at one time. We serve an awesome God. Yes. Serve an awesome God. So, 
he died for forgiveness. He died so we could hang out with him. And I love that. So what about the resurrection? Why does that even matter? So why the resurrection? Why are we celebrating this? Well, Jesus got up out of the grave. That's great, but why? That's the what. Why? Why celebrate the resurrection? I'll tell you why. Because without the resurrection, none of this matters. Man, I could tell you that I'm going to die for your sins. You could tell any of your friends, I'm going to die and I'm going to pay the price for the sins of all humanity. And we can be killed, and no one really knows. You can claim anything. But to say you're going to die on a cross and then predict your own resurrection and then pull it off? Now, them's some cards, and not everybody can play at a table. You understand what I'm saying? So him doing that is amazing. Why do you believe that the resurrection actually happened? I'll give you a few quick reasons. Because maybe you're here today and somebody drug you to church. And while you respect what's going on and you appreciate the beliefs of others, maybe this isn't your cup of tea today and you're wondering why, why, why. Well, let me give you a few reasons. Now, these are not exhaustive, but these are pretty definitive reasons why we can know that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Are y'all with me this morning and want to dive in just a little bit? So let me, let me give you a, a few of these things. Um, while the resurrection, I'll give you three E's. Execution, empty tomb, and eyewitnesses. Now, this comes from uh, a book written by Lee Strobel, so I'll give him credit. Um, but this guy's got bulletproof, bulletproof uh, reasons why we can know that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Historical documents and, and, and all this stuff. We could spend the rest of the day talking about it. I'm going to give you the highlight reel. So if you're curious about this kind of thing, uh, Google Lee Strobel and look at uh, Lee Strobel and the Resurrection, and you'll see a ton of proof. The Case for Christ is a very famous book that Lee wrote. Um, this kind of follows up on that execution. You can't have a, ne a resurrection without an execution, right? Yeah. We got to know that Jesus was dead. Tons of historical documents outside of the Bible testify to the fact that there was a man named Jesus who was put on trial and who was sentenced to death. He was sentenced to death by crucifixion. We have extra biblical accounts of the flogging that Jesus took, crucifixion, all of that stuff. You know, Jesus stood trial six times before he was crucified. All of those were documented and written down in Jewish and Roman record. Um, all of that stuff is there for us to read. So we know that it happened. The other thing is that the Roman soldiers had about a batting average of a thousand on killing people when they crucified them. And they didn't play. And with the flogging that Jesus took and then being crucified, we, we know, we know that the execution took place. The second thing uh, would be the empty tomb. Jesus wasn't where they laid him three days later. The empty tomb is huge. How do we know the tomb was really empty? Uh, a couple of reasons. One, uh, because of the Roman soldiers that were there. Okay, not just the biblical account, but the Roman records historically showing the assignment of the division that was there. Uh, and all that, it all can be proven outside of the Word of God. Um, there wasn't just a couple of guards that so you might have seen in a church play that didn't have enough people to be Roman guards or a big enough stage to put them on. There were probably at least 30 Roman guards there 
guarding the tomb. When the Bible talks about the tomb being sealed with the stone, it wasn't just sealed with the stone, but the Roman seal was put on the stone. Okay, this is pretty much the gist of it would have been, do not remove this stone or you will be killed. Um, penalty of death for messing with it. So if you got past the guards, you got that seal to deal with. It was a death sentence. No motivation for that. The guards saw something. They saw the angels, the Bible says. They took off running, because who wants to fight an angel? All the Roman soldiers gave the account. We saw this guy roll away the stone. This Jesus guy ain't there no more. We can't explain it, but we know what we saw. Now, this would have been huge because for a Roman soldier to leave their post or abandon their assignment, death sentence. So, whatever happened there had to motivate them past the fear of death. You understand? So, so there's a lot there. The, uh, the, the religious leaders covering up the story of Jesus coming from the tomb, spreading the rumors, all of that stuff documented, bears witness to the fact that he did do what he said he was going to do. And I get how you can say, well, all of that would be hearsay. And I can see where you, faith would lean you to accept all of that stuff. But then you get to the eyewitnesses. If you and I get accused of a crime today, how many eyewitnesses would it take for us to be convicted of that crime? One. Three would be amazing. That's a bulletproof case right there. You're, you're done. Three eyewitnesses. I seen him do it, Your Honor. I was there the whole time. I, I get, you're, you're in trouble. Jesus was seen by over 515 eyewitnesses that we know of. Okay? Disciples and followers, skeptics and non-believers, religious leaders of the day, officials of the day, soldiers of the day all saw Jesus after the resurrection. It's amazing to me. For 40 days, a lot of people don't realize that. He was around for 40 days after he rose from the dead before he ascended to heaven. For 40 days, he appeared inside and outside. He had dinner with people. He had barbecues with people on the beach. He was, he, he was getting around being seen by people, not just his disciples, but a slew of people. A slew of people saw him after the fact. Over five hundred. And listen, there are nine, not just, not just one or two, but nine extra biblical historical accounts of this guy Jesus who was executed, who was seen around town for 40 days after he had come back from the dead. Now, if one to three people can convict you of a crime, can over 500 plus people that saw the risen Savior in historical documents dated to the day that are extra biblical lend to the fact that he did exactly what he said he was going to do? Right. It's amazing. Um, it, the, the evidence of the resurrection is so concrete that an atheist who decided he would research the whole thing and look at the documents and look at the testimonies and then look at the biblical accounts and weigh all of it together, came to this conclusion. His name is Gerd Lutterman. He says, it may be taken as historically certain 
that Peter, the disciples, and over 500 others had experiences after the death of Jesus in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen Christ. Might not be able to explain it, but it cannot be refuted. Another quote from an individual doing the same research says this, it says, the death and apparent, you see the skepticism in there, the death and apparent resurrection of Jesus are not an issue of faith. They are both historically irrefutable. So the resurrection proves Jesus is who he said he was. Praise God for that. That he is who he says he was. Irrefutable. Now that opens up a whole other can of worms though because if Jesus really is who he said he was then everything he said has merit. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And if everything he says has merit, everything he did has merit too. I love that. It, it, it just reinvigorates my faith to know that it's all true. That, that when he says, come to me, all of you who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest, that he meant it. When we read in the Bible that he can heal and restore, that it's true. When I tell you that Jesus can put back together your marriage, it's true. When Jesus can heal the brokenness in your heart, it's true. To know that we stand in front of God in righteousness, covered under the grace that Jesus purchased for us on the cross, it's true. That the past that we lived is not the life that we're called to, that it's true. That we can be a new creation in Christ Jesus with the old gone and the new here, it's true. It is amazing that there's a hope and a future for every person in this room and everyone watching online and everyone that's going to hear this later. It's all true. It's all true. It's all true. And the reality of eternity then is also true. That can be bad news or that can be good news. It's interesting to me that Jesus, like the resurrection and the, and the execution of Jesus are not just bulletproof historically. Like if that wasn't enough, they decided to put a little more icing on the cake just looking at the biblical prophecies that Jesus fulfilled or the, uh, about him being the Messiah, the messianic prophecies. There were over 300 of them. Jesus fulfilled every one of them. 300 of them given thousands of years before Jesus was born. He fulfilled every single one of them. Amazing to me. Absolutely amazing to me. If you take just eight of them, university did a study and they said, well, we'll take eight of those prophecies and we'll run the mathematical odds of one person actually being able to fulfill all of this stuff. The number is ridiculous. Okay, it's the number one with 17 zeros behind it. That's just eight out of the over 300 prophecies about Jesus. Can you imagine the odds of one person fulfilling all 300 of them? It's incalculable. You, you can't come up with that number. Uh, I believe that number there just for the eight prophecies is 100 quadrillion. That's a big number. To give it perspective, uh, somebody who had a whole lot of time figured out that if you take silver dollars and you go to the state of Texas 
and you pile those silver dollars up to cover every square inch of the state of Texas. Y'all been to Texas? That's a big state, man. You drive through it for a couple of days. Silver dollars all the way across the state of Texas. If you take one of those silver dollars, put a mark on it, and put it somewhere in the state of Texas, the odds of just eight prophecies being fulfilled by Jesus is like someone being blindfolded and walked into the state of Texas, blindfolded, picking up that one silver dollar the first time. It's impossible. You got better odds of winning the lottery a hundred thousand times than pulling that off. Jesus is who he says he was. It's amazing. It's irrefutable. Now, that gives tremendous hope, especially on a day like that. You can say, why does that matter? It matters big time. It matters big time. Because if he was who he says he was, then everything that he said has merit. And if everything he says has merit, then we have a lot to consider today. John 3, 16 through 17, it says this, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. A lot of us have a messed up perception of God. He's not looking to condemn not in this season. He's not looking to judge in this season. In this season, he's extending grace. He sent his son to die for us. The Bible says he loved us before Jesus died for us. A lot of people think that God takes bad people and turns them into good people. And that's messed up teaching and preaching, man. That's religion. He takes spiritually dead people and brings them to life again. He's not about behavior modification. He's about life transformation. And that happens from the inside out. See, religion will tell you to do this and don't do that, to do this and don't do that. And Jesus just says, hey, man, accept the forgiveness that I give. Let's hang out together and let me change you from the inside out. Don't worry about that outside in stuff. Let me change you from the inside out. His work's complete in us. I hate religion. I'm telling you, one of the things about, I love about our church is that we hate religion. We want this place to be a place where religion dies and where no one walks alone because that's how Jesus lived his life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it reads in verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When Jesus rose from the dead, he came back with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He didn't just purchase our forgiveness. He completed the mission that he was on. He took back all the authority that Adam lost in the Garden of Eden, snatched it away, and then he said, Now, all power has been given to me, and as my kids passing it on to y'all. This is awesome when you start to think about what we're celebrating today. That he did what he said he was going to do. That's why we're here today. 
that's why we believe in the resurrection. That's why we celebrate Jesus. That's why we have hope. That's why we go crazy when we worship because we know what we've been saved from. Let me encourage you today to not get caught up in the what that's happening in your life, but to remember the why behind all of this that's going on. His name is Jesus. He's an inescapable reality. And one day we are all going to stand before God. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And then after that, the judgment. And Jesus died for us so that on that day, we don't have to have any hesitation or apprehension or regret for that moment. I can't wait to stand in front of my God. There's not an ounce of fear inside of me because I know that Jesus has covered all of that, man. I can't wait. I just, I'm going to jump from wherever that judgment spot is right up into his lap and give him the biggest high five and hug. Say, what's up, my father? I love it, at least in my mind. I want to give you an opportunity before we go much further with the service. Maybe to hit pause and put aside all that what and remember why. And take an opportunity to get things right with Jesus on the day that he rose from the dead. If you would, please, everyone, stand with me this morning. Bow your heads and close your eyes, if you would. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? And I'm not talking about, do you come to church? I'm saying, do you have a real relationship with Him? That, that relationship that, that Jesus died to reestablish. Not a ritual or a routine, but a real thriving relationship with the God that created everything that you see. That's why Jesus died. Is he real? You know, old school preachers would say, if you breathed your last breath right now, would you, would you be in heaven or would you be in hell? And that question is still true today. The answer is whether or not Jesus is on that throne in our heart. That determines everything. The beauty is that we know right now whether he is or he isn't. If I had to ask you if Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, some of you might say, well, I hope so, I think so, I'd want him to be, but none of those are yes. If the answer is not yes. And I'm not talking, did you pray a prayer 20 or 30 years ago? I'm talking, is it real and current today? And if you're here today and that's not the case, I want to give you an opportunity to get that right. What, a, what an amazing day celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Maybe today would be a great day for us to cross over from death to life. Maybe today would be an awesome day to see, in a sense, a resurrection of our own as we step out of that old way of life into the newness that Jesus is calling us into today. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Josh, I know my walk with God, my relationship with Jesus is not where it needs to be, but I want to fix that today. When I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and I want you to look at me. I want to pray with you this morning. Now, I want to embarrass you. But I want to have a real moment with you. If this is a real moment for you, let's make it real and genuine. And let's pray together. 
that's you. When I count to three, lift your eyes up and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. I see yours. 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 Praise God. I see yours in the back. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. I want to hang out on this for just a moment because this is a big deal for some of us in here this morning. Maybe you're feeling a little bit of hesitancy to respond to this because of what other people might think. And I'm here to tell you, those other people can only go with you to the edge of your grave. And then after that, it's you and God. And what you do in moments like this will determine where you spend eternity. Don't let a few people stand in the way of everything that Jesus died to give you. He's the only one that matters right now. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, lift them up and look at me. Right now, I see yours. Praise God, I see yours right there. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. God's doing some stuff this morning. One more time. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, you know you need to. Pastor Josh, man, my heart's not ready. I'm not right with the Lord, but I want to be. One last time, if that's you, lift your eyes up and look at me. I want to pray with you today. Now I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to take a ton of guts. I've yet to see everyone do this. Maybe today will be the day where everyone will do this. I want to pray with you personally up here in this front area. I just don't want to pray over you, but I, I want to pray with you one-on-one -on -one up here, just you and me. If you lifted up your eyes and you meant what you said and you're ready to make a strong stand for the Savior that gave everything for you today, I want you to do this. I want you to get out of that seat, out of that row, and I want you to come up to this front area so I can pray with you today. I want you to make a public stand for the decision that you're making today. On the count of three, if that's you, I want you to do it. Don't wait for anybody else. This is between you and God. Whether or not it's going to be real now is between you and God and what you choose to do in this moment. Let me challenge you. Let me challenge you. Take that step and let's make it real. On the count of three, let's go one, two, three. If you lifted up your eyes, get out of that row and come up to the front right now. Eyes were lifted all across this place. We got people moving right now. Let's give God praise as they make their way up. This is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Man, if you, if you hesitated a second, let me encourage you, man. You still got time to come on up here. But I will say this. Listen, I'm not saying that what we're about to do can't be real for you if you're still out in your seats. But what I am saying is this. If you find it difficult to take a step of faith and stand in a room where people are supporting you and for you, you're going to find it really hard to do out when the, the world smacks you around a little bit. So I'm praying extra grace over you. But if you did not come up to the front, and I know there's a lot of us that didn't, that's fine. Pray where you are, and let's make this real. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of you guys. Absolutely awesome. I'm telling you, in a world where people are so PC and spineless and afraid to stand up and be a true individual, let me say how much respect I got for you right now for taking a stand for your Savior. That is absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. Now, everybody's clapping and getting excited, not because y'all are a spectacle. Don't misinterpret that. 
we're celebrating because we're excited about what Jesus is doing in your life and the decision that you're making. We've got a saying here at this church is that Eastgate, no one walks alone. Listen, all these people are celebrating because we got your back. We got your back. And I don't know if you have a church home. If you're a guest here today and you don't have a church home, welcome home. Welcome home. We love for Eastgate Church to be your home church. It's important to be connected to a church so that you can hear the Word of God and grow in your faith. It's hard to grow when you're not connected to the body of Christ. So I encourage you, get connected here, get plugged in here, and continue to grow in what God is starting in you or restarting in you today. So I want to pray a prayer. Everyone in here is going to pray this after me. If you lifted up your eyes, whether you're out there or up here, I want you to pray this prayer and mean it from your heart. We're going to seal the deal today. Amen? Amen. So everyone, let's pray after me. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. You know the truth about me. And I thank you that in spite of that, you love me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. I repent. That means I turn away from my old life. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. And one day at a time, one step at a time, I'll live my life to put a smile on your face and draw closer to you as you change me from the inside out. Thank you for salvation. Let's give him praise in the house this morning. Now, if you guys will do me a favor, we don't just want this moment to end with you right now. If you would, I'd like for you to take another step today. Emily is a friend of mine. She's standing in the back by the camera stand there. And she's waving at you. Um, if you would, I want to ask you, maybe step out for just a second with Emily. She's going to take you to a, a room in the back. And what we're going to do is, one, we're going to encourage you strongly strongly to get baptized next Sunday. She's going to talk to you about that. Um, if you haven't been baptized or it's been a while, I'm telling you it's important that you go public with your faith. It's an example that Jesus set. I encourage everyone to do it. Not just these guys, but all of you. Uh, get baptized if you can. Emily's going to talk to you about that. She's going to talk to you about something we have here called the First Steps group. And uh, it happens every Sunday. She'll give you all the details on it. But it's just kind of just the basics of our faith. You may need it, you may not. But it's there to help you get your feet under you as you grow in this walk with God. So if y'all would, Emily, you got them? So if y'all would, just follow Emily real fast. She'll have you back in here probably in 10 minutes or less. Love it. So while they're taking that next step, how about we do some big celebrating in here for what God's done in their lives today and what He's done in our lives today. Isn't this awesome?